This is the Empowered Athlete Podcast, hosted by yours truly, the one and only Natty Boss, lifelong athlete, sports dietitian, breathwork facilitator, personal development junkie, and holistic performance coach. This podcast is here to change the paradigm of what it means to be a high-performance athlete. The intention and mission of this podcast is to help you create freedom, clarity, and balance in your life while giving you the tools to heal yourself, improve your well-being, and optimize performance. I believe that in order to reach our highest potential in this human experience, we must unlearn and let go of everything we've been conditioned to believe about ourselves and the world so that we can truly tap into what our divine path is and have the courage to pursue the curriculum of our soul. It's my hope that after every episode, you feel activated and empowered to make change in your life that supports you in operating from a place of alignment of who you're meant to be. Get ready for major shifts and transformation. It's time to dive in. What's up? Welcome back to the Empowered Athlete Podcast. In today's episode, I'm diving into a little solo episode, sharing with you what I believe are 10 qualities of successful competitors. And so, of course, I speak from experience where in the past, I was not a successful competitor for a long time. I had sporadic wins for sure, but I didn't have a winning streak. I didn't have any consistency in my winning. It wasn't until I hit three to four strike purple bell, I'd say, where the wins began outweighing the losses. And now being a black belt and looking back and reflecting and seeing my current success with the consistent wins that I've hit, I've really reflected on what changes and what things that I integrate that really made the shift from me primarily losing to primarily winning. And so that's what I want to share with you today. And I'd love for you to maybe take notes and see like maybe what are some of the things that I mentioned that are things that you can work on? Because I really think that if you start integrating and trying to improve on some of these areas, 100% your performance on the competition mats will improve. So diving right in, the first is qualities of successful competitors. One, they are coachable. What this means is that you are able to listen to what your coach is saying in the moment of the fight. And this is really important because that's why we have coaches, right? And so having a coach to be there to support you and guide you is really helpful because sometimes in the middle of the heat of the moment, we can't necessarily see certain things. And so when the coach can see it from that outside perspective, being able to tune everything out, all of the noise and other people and the cheering and really focus on the voice of your coach and then be able to make contact with them and confirm that you've heard them and then apply it in the match is so critical towards your success. So really it's, are you coachable? So are you in your own way or can you be open to hearing what your coach says and then apply it when he tells you to? That really is such a key part that has made a huge shift for me. And I was historically very hard to coach, not because I didn't have an open mind, but because I was so in my head in the matches that I couldn't hear my coach's voice. So the more present I became, the more confident I became in myself and the more aware I was in the moment, the more I was able to really tune in to him who is my coach and my husband and be able to listen to what he was saying and then discern for myself if it was something that I felt that I could do, which is what leads me to the second quality, which is being able to listen and trust themselves. Successful competitors 
trust themselves, trust their technique, trust the work that they put in leading up to the competition, and ultimately trust their ability to execute when needed. And going back to the first principle, this is a fine line because as my coach will often say, I can't feel what you feel. So there is this way of listening to the coach, but you also, as the active person fighting, need to discern, does this make sense for me? Is Because perhaps that person, your coach, can't see maybe that your arm is pinned. Maybe they can't see exactly what the opponent is doing that's inhibiting you. So it's important not to get frustrated if your coach is saying something, but you feel something and feel like you can't execute what they're asking. That's where the trusting of yourself comes in. Trusting yourself to say, I hear what you're saying, coach, and where I'm at right now in this match, I'm going to look for what you're saying, but right now it's not available. And what is available is what I'm going to go for and going for it. And that really is critical. Being able to have the best of both worlds where you're able to tune into your coach and then also trust yourself and listen to yourself with what feels right. This is such an important skill on the competition mats. Next is successful competitors are calm, focused, and clear-minded under pressure. That's the key, right? Under pressure because we are under pressure in competition. So being calm and focused and clear-minded under pressure is key because we know by now that this game is a game of chess. We need to be two steps ahead of our opponent. We need to be proactive and not just reactive. And so in order to do that, we need to be present and grounded in our body We need to be able to not be in our head and focus on all the different pathways that we could take, but what is my fight in this moment? And the only way we could tune into the present moment is by being calm and grounded and focused in our body. So coming back to breath work is really important because it helps us stay out of that fight or flight. And it helps us get back into that present moment where we have the power to choose what we want to do in that moment with what makes sense in that moment. So if you find that you're very erratic and frantic and stressed and anxious in the moment of a match, this is your job. Your job is to learn how do I become calm and focused under pressure. And of course, I'm going to come back to breathwork and just reiterate that breathwork is the skill and the tool that will really support you in this. The next is being adaptable and flowing with the energy presented. So it is so important to be adaptable because the match is going to go a billion different ways and there is so much potential for the match to go in so many different ways. And so we need to adapt because we go in with a game plan. If you're being a successful competitor and if you're being a serious competitor and you're really preparing, you have a game plan, right? You have what we call an A game where this is your ideal scenario. However, we also know just as in life, our ideal scenarios don't always play out the way we want them. We can set ourselves up for success in trying to really craft it to our liking as much as we possibly can, but the reality is sometimes it's not going to happen. This is where the adaptability piece comes in. Learning to adapt to what's present is really important. And you're going to see all of these skills really overlap because again, in order to be adaptable, we have to be in the moment and we have to feel what is actually presented. If I'm forcing this knee cut and it's clearly not working, well, do I keep forcing a square into a round peg 
a, a square peg into a round hole? Or do I change my direction? Do I change my course of action? Do I go to a different path that makes sense with what they're presenting to me? Right? And so being adaptable is really important and flowing with the energy presented. So not creating more resistance for yourself. You know, if somebody's pulling back on you, don't try to do a forward sweep, push them back right? That's where the energy is going. So being able to recognize where the energy is and then acting on that is very critical towards your success in competition. Now, the other piece to this is going to be, which is the next quality, is knowing when to insist and when to transition. So knowing to when to insist is not giving up on something that you're trying, right? If it's not working the first time you try, it doesn't mean that you give into it right away and you just change. This was something that I did a lot at Blue Belt where I would change all the different attacks I would do instead of insisting on one for just a couple seconds. You know, I would, as soon as it wasn't working, I would immediately switch versus like, maybe I just need to take a little bit more time to actually get in the right position, get in the right, the grips or whatever it is to actually make it work, right? To actually execute the technique in a technical way. And so there's a place for us to insist on something, but we can't insist on it for six minutes, right? So we can't insist on it through the entire match if it's not working. That goes back to my other principle of being adaptable. So we have to also know when to transition. So when you've done your due diligence and you've insisted on something and it's just not working, well, now you're wasting time and you're wasting energy. So now is the time to transition to something else, you know, whether it's opening up and trying to create some space to be able to do something different or create a different reaction so that you can do something different. These are things that are really important. So it's knowing when to insist and knowing when to transition. And if you can master that, you're really going to be ahead in competition. The next quality is detaching your worth from the outcome. Successful competitors don't get wrapped up in the outcome of the match and attaching it to their self-worth, right? And this is when we get into this proving energy and trying to prove something and our ego is online and we are really fighting not to fail versus fighting to win because we feel that this win is going to add some type of element to our self-worth. So the more that you do that, I will tell you from experience, the more you will lose. You really need to detach your self-worth from the outcome and instead focus on gratitude and really appreciation for the moment and the appreciation that you have for being able to do jujitsu, being healthy to compete. That is such a big shift that's going to support you and help you manage those emotions like anxiety and stress that often interfere with our ability to perform. Because there's not pressure, right? When we focus and go into a match with gratitude and appreciation, the energy is just different in how we're going to go into that match versus the pressure that we put on ourselves that we have to be perfect or that we can't make a mistake or that we can't fail or it means something about ourselves, right? Coming back to that identity that it means something about us. It doesn't mean anything about you. It's literally feedback for you to grow from if you do lose or if you do make a mistake. And that's how you improve your game over time. So seeing those failures as opportunities for growth is something that you guys know that I talk about all the time. In addition to focusing on gratitude. And again, another aspect to this is successful competitors are also 
driven intrinsically. So again, this is not relying on external motivators. So not competing because you're afraid of letting your your coach down, right? And you have to perform because they're going to be disappointed in you. That's your perceived idea of it. Or you don't want to let your team down because everybody's watching you. Or you feel that you have to compete because everybody else is competing. These are not reasons to compete. You need to have an intrinsic motivator, a motivator that comes from within of why am I doing this? Why am I putting in the work? Why am I putting myself under this stress? Why am I putting myself under this fear if I don't have a reason, right? Whether it's personal growth, whether you just want to challenge yourself and test your boundaries and your limits and what you're capable of, or whether you really want to take the steps to become a world champion. Like what is your intrinsic motivator? That is your anchor, Every time you step on the mat, that's the anchor you need to connect to to remember why you're doing this. And successful competitors have that. So that's something I really invite you to get clear on if you haven't already is why do I compete? What's in it for me? Like, why am I doing this? And if it's rooted in external factors, you really need to find something that's intrinsically motivated. And this is also called your why, right? So your why, why am I doing this? The next one, successful competitors drill. They drill consistently and intentionally. I used to say years ago that practice makes perfect. But years ago, I switched that into perfect practice makes perfect. And I know I talk a lot about not reaching for perfectionism, but that's not really what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about this idea that the way that you go into drilling matters. If you have a lax attitude, if you're like, okay, it's sloppy, but I don't really care. Well, all of that is going to translate when you're actually fighting during a round, a role in the dojo or on the competition setting. So it's really important that you know that successful competitors are very intentional with what they drill. Maybe they're drilling specific holes in their game. Maybe they're drilling specific aspects of timing and precision, or maybe they're drilling their A game. But whenever they're going to drilling, you better believe that anyone who is a successful competitor is going into their drilling with intention and a goal in mind of what they're trying to get out of it. And they're also doing this consistently. Now, the range of competitors is very big. So there's, you know, the professional athletes that might be training three, four times a day. And then we have competitors who are training five times a week very consistently, but maybe not two or three a days. But they still compete on a regular basis, right? And so it's important for you to find what is that level of consistency that I need? Because I really believe, and I talk about this all the time, that I actually think that drilling is more important than rolling. Drilling is more important than rolling. And I'm really curious to see what you guys think about this because this is what I know to be true based off my thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of drilling over the years is that drilling is where we make things automatic. This is where we really get things stored in our muscle memory and What happens in rolling is all that muscle memory is released and this allows us to actually train without thinking because the body knows what to do. So if you're not drilling, it makes perfect sense that you would be hesitant in your role. It makes perfect sense that you would overthink in your role because you haven't done the work for your body to actually memorize. 
So drilling is really important and the level of consistency, again, will change per athlete, but I really recommend at least two to three times a week dedicated to drilling. This is utmost importance to me versus training. Now training is good for stress release. It's good to actually just get that aggression out, which is like why I love it and the fast pace of it. And there's a billion reasons why I love to actually roll, but the drilling I know is so important for me to be able to execute in my live rolling. And so if you're not consistently drilling and you find that you're you're not able to put the pieces together in a live roll, this is absolutely an area to work on. So I want you to remember that perfect practice makes perfect. So make sure that you're going into your drilling with intentionality, with focus, and you're really putting your best foot forward in every single rep. And what this means is that if you're doing something for 30 seconds, your last rep should not be your worst rep. It should be your best rep because you are going 100% putting your best effort every single rep. That difference of one to two reps is literally what's going to change the game for you. And this is what people are doing at the highest levels. And this is 100% what I contribute to my success. And I know this because there's been times where I've had injuries and I could not drill. I mean, I'm sorry, I could not train. I couldn't train, but I could drill. And then I would go into competition after I was healed and knock everybody out of the park. So I get to ask myself, well, how did that happen if I didn't train? And it's because my body knows what to do in the moment because of all the drilling that I've put in over the years. So it doesn't matter where you are in your journey right now, whether you're a white belt, brown, purple, blue, black, whatever it is, you can't always get started with drilling. You just need to make sure you find a way to integrate it into your schedule so that you're not burning out and overtraining, right? So you may need to assess what your regimen looks like and sacrifice some things, right? You might need to sacrifice a lifting day for some drilling. You might need to sacrifice, you know, getting an extra class in that's just training for drilling. If you're already training three times a week and you usually do it four times a week, well, what about one of those days swapping it out for an hour of drilling? That's going to take you so much further than just going to the mat just to train because you want to train. You know, everybody wants to train. And so the difference between successful competitors is knowing what you need to do to really ensure your success. And it's not just training. It's the drilling piece and people really miss out on this. And this is a huge piece of it. Now, the next one. So we're on the eighth quality is successful competitors take their nutrition, sleep and recovery seriously. They're not waiting to the last minute to cut weight. They are working months out and they're prioritizing recovery on a consistent basis, all different modalities to take care of their body because they know that they are putting their body through the trenches. And that's only going to last so long before the body breaks down because the body, unfortunately, is not, you know, omnipotent. It does break down and it will injure right? It'll get sick. So in order for us to have the longevity, successful competitors know that recovery matters and sleep matters. And prioritizing that is something that they do because they are really committed to their end goal of whatever it is it is, right? Whether it's world championship or just winning their next fight or wanting to improve. 
And all of these things are not something they put on the back burner. It's actually something they put on their priority list. And so this is a huge shift. If you're somebody who is lazy and you wait to the last minute one week before your tournament because you're like oh I gotta cut weight and my fight is in seven days and I haven't been up with my nutrition so I'm just gonna cut all my carbs and dehydrate myself well guess what I don't take you as a serious competitor and that's just the truth and if you want to really be seen as a successful competitor and actually have the results of a successful competitor you need to start prioritizing nutrition, sleep, and recovery, and taking that serious. And if you need support with that, obviously you know where to go. The Performance Blueprint is the program that we have for female jiu-jitsu athletes to support you in being able to find balance within the six pillars of performance so that you can have longevity, so that you don't burn out, and so that you can really optimize your performance on all fronts and allow that to translate on the competition mats. Quality number nine is fighting with heart. Successful competitors fight with heart, not with their ego. And this means really going for it, like putting it all out there, like wearing your heart on your sleeve and fighting until the last second. It doesn't matter if you got in a triangle 30 seconds into the match. It's fighting with everything that you possibly can and not giving up because of a mental reason, right? Because physically, of course, if somebody caught you in a triangle in the first 30 seconds and you're about to pass out, you can absolutely let yourself pass out. Um, So you can do that for sure, but you want to make sure you're really exhausting all of your options before you give up. And so that's what it means to really fight with your heart is not give up. It's to have an indomitable spirit. It's to persevere. And part of that is learning how to control your breath so that you can calm that fight or flight response and you can really think things through and assess all of your options before you just give up. You know, if we talk from an example of like an arm bar, that's a little bit more severe in my opinion than, you know, just going to sleep. I mean, I don't mind going to sleep. That's fine. But breaking my arm, that might deter me from, you know, maybe it deters you from doing your actual career and your job, you know, and depending on, you know, what you're doing at home, that is, that can affect your well-being and your lifestyle. So you need to consider that. So of course, if you're in a physical endangered space and your arm is about to break off, then tapping, there is no shame in tapping, right? We talk about it often tap often, right? Tap quick and tap often. If you feel that there is no point of return, because you need to take care of your own well-being. You need to take care of your body. So I'm not speaking to that piece. I'm speaking to the mental piece. I'm speaking to the piece where your mind tells you, well, they already have me in this. I might as well just give up. It's already theirs. That is never going to get you a win. You need to really dig deep. You need to dig deep And you need to bring out the warrior within to find the fight within you. And you will be able to go so much further than you actually think. There is this 40% rule. I believe it's based in the military. I don't remember what branch. But this 40% rule says that whenever your mind tells you that you want to quit, you actually have 40% more that you have capacity-wise to keep going. And so I really want you to really think about that for a second because anytime, whether you're doing conditioning or training or you're in the competition, whenever your mind tells you, I need to stop, 
this is my limit. It's actually not your limit. You actually have 40% more of you that you can put into it. And so remember that the next time you step on the competition mats. And so fighting with heart and not with your ego is so important. Who cares if you got swept? If there is still time on the clock, there's still room to fight. And that's a really important thing that's going to distinguish you from losing to winning. Because it's really not over until it's over. And it's over when the timer goes off. That's when it's over. And so this has been something that I've absolutely learned because, you know, I definitely gave up mentally, which contributed to all of my losses um, in primarily the blue belt stage for sure. Anytime I lost, most of the time, well, of course it was through points, but the reason why I gave up so many points was because I wasn't fighting. I wasn't actually fighting. I just kind of resolved within my mind this person won because they had points on me. And so I wasn't really believing in myself that I could reverse the situation. And there's been so many times since then, not just in my own performance, but things that I've witnessed where there has been someone who was 10 nothing down on points and then came around and got a submission in the last five seconds of the match, right? And so the submission always trumps points. So that is just proof and evidence that like it is not over until it's over. And so if you give up on yourself sooner than you really have the ability to keep going, like if you just give up too soon, you really don't know what you're capable of. And that will always stifle your performance and definitely prevent you from winning. And then finally, and this might be the most important one, is successful competitors have fun. This was one of the hardest, hardest things for me because for me, competition was so serious for so long because of what I shared with you earlier that all competition was, was me proving myself. It was really using competition to prove that I was worthy and I was attaching my worth to my outcome. So of course there was a lot of pressure I was putting on myself and because there was a lot of pressure, I couldn't have fun. It was literally life or death for me. And that is not fun, right? So I had to really let myself and give myself permission to have fun. And that has been the case with many successful competitors that I've witnessed over the years that even wrote about it in their Instagram posts where they would even win things, but they still felt like something was missing. And it was because there was no fun fun in it for them anymore. So they had to really connect with themselves again and realize like, again, coming back to their why, like, why am I doing this? How can I make this more fun for myself? And so going into it with the mindset of fun is so important because guess what? It is fun. That's why we do this. We just lose sight of it when we get put in that pressurized container of a competition. But the reason why you step on the dojo five times a week is because you're having fun. You enjoy the growth and the evolving and the getting smashed and being the hammer and being the nail and the endorphin release. And it's all fun, the community, right? And so bring that energy to the competition mats and make sure that you have fun and you are going to have so much more success, literally just by having more fun. And to me, that's really good news. So these are what I believe, as I said, are the 10 qualities of successful competitors. And to do just a quick recap, number one is they're coachable. Number two, they listen and trust themselves. 
Number three, they're calm, focused, and clear-minded under pressure. Number four, they're adaptable and know when to flow with the energy. Number five, they know when to insist and when to transition. Number six, they detach their worth from the outcome. Number seven, they drill consistently and intentionally. Number eight, they take their nutrition, sleep, and recovery seriously. Number nine, they fight with heart, not with ego. And number 10, they have fun. So I would love to know which of these maybe you are already doing, which of these that maybe you're struggling a little bit with, and I would love for you to shoot me a message. I'd love to support you because I have personal experience with every single one of these, and I really believe in my heart of hearts that integrating and and mastering these qualities is what's led to my success personally and at the highest levels of brown and black belt. And these are the biggest switches. So I really hope that you can take something away and you start integrating and get honest with yourself on, you know, what area am I really lacking in? And can I just work on this myself? Or do I need an external support system somehow, right? So maybe one of our coaching programs would be supportive for you to actually make those switches, make those transitions and get support and in integrating those things, right? And so that's why we offer that. So if it's something that you're interested in, then you know where to find us at Body by Boss LLC on Instagram, or you can message me privately at Natty Boss RD on Instagram, or you can visit our website at bodybyboss.com and check out any and all of our programs and offerings there. And I hope that you learned something. I hope you took away something and I hope that you loved this episode. I look forward to hearing your responses and shares and I hope you have an amazing day. I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.